Welcome to Prodigal and the Priest, a podcast about faith, sports, and two friends from different cultures. I'm Joey Scantella, joined by my co-host, Father Paul Bechter. Father Paul, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> that was way too enthusiastic of a greeting here this morning. I'm, I'm doing... not actually doing that great. No? Why not? No, I'm doing okay. Okay, cool. Well, that was a great intro. That was really um, awkward. That was awesome. Um, so this idea that we brought in today for the podcast, right, stemmed from kind of everything we've been talking about these last few episodes. We talked about The Last Dance. We talked about Lance Armstrong. We talked about the Astros, the cheating, all of that. We talked about the Holy Spirit. Um, we talked about the the background of our podcast. And something that has really hit me, like that I've been struggling with and thinking about, is this idea that it seems like almost all – the great athletes, like I'm talking great. I'm not talking like top 50 of all time. I'm talking about the ones when you think of like the top two or three in the sports that um, in these top sports in the world that they all seem like jerks. They seem like really crappy people like and at least in the sports world you know i'm not passing personal judgment on them individually sure. with their families with their kids outside of that or as teammates or that but well kind of as teammates yeah, kind of as teammates. yeah kind of as teammates and it really is affecting me because i did one of those things um you know the strength finders um so mm-hmm. here at saint anne's um we do that for all our employees so we can see clifton strengths finders clifton strength finders um not yeah and so um I did that, and my top strength is competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and I'm not going to lie. Um, there definitely are people that I'm sure would categorize me as a jerk. Um, and I'm just being all transparent um, with that information. And um, and I think sometimes it's because of that drive, because I'm like, well, I want this to be so good, and I'm not going to let anybody or anything stand in my way of it. You know, and I just wanted to take that idea and and get your thoughts on that. I mean, is that something I know we watch a lot of those same documentary mm-hmm. shows. I mean, have you have you noticed that? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's impossible not to notice like the the best example being Jordan from The Last Dance. Yeah. Right. Um, that's but it's it's not just Jordan. It's also like think of Tiger in his heyday. Um, some. I, I don't know about LeBron so much. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. But I I think that there's a lot of examples of athletes who are like absolutely at the top of their field. Mm-hmm. Like goat level athletes. Yeah. Goat level. Um, yeah. Greatest of all time. And it seems like to get there, they needed to be kind of cutthroat. Like, mm-hmm. so driven that, like Jordan, they will not tolerate, like, um, any imperfection Any imperfection, anything less. Like, he um, literally talks about punching Steve Kerr in the face yeah. over an argument at practice. You know, mm-hmm. like, we're talking about practice, you know. Um, talking about practice. We're talking about practice, in the words of Allen Iverson. So, um, you know, like, like... Yeah, other names that jump out to me, like you talked about Greg Popovich, right? Like he comes across that as a coach or Bill Belichick Mm -hmm. or um, Bill Parcells, right? Um, um, I think of Pete Rose, you know, I just saw kind of like an E60 on him. I'm like, Mm -hmm. these people just come across like they're so driven that they're like, get out of my way. You're either with me or you're against me. And if you're not with me, kind of 
forget you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it is really interesting, like comparing that also with the, the large number of, if you really look at that kind of goat mentality, like there's really only a handful that are not like that. You know, people bring up Gretzky, not being like that. Roger Federer Federer or, um, messy people will talk about, you know, messy, um, you know, um, so I just think, I think it's a fascinating topic for us to dive in a little bit today and talk about like, why do we really see that? And how does that translate to the church? So like, am I a jerk in youth ministry because I'm so competitive, you know, like, is it like, can that even correspond together in life? And like, how did that look for the saints? How did that look for like our church? You know, like were there people looked at in the lives of the saints and that, that were were not the happiest or nicest of people because they were so driven mm-hmm. by something. I don't know. Do you have any reflections on that until we in, in, until we dive into the you know church part? Yeah, it's. I mean, just to just one note on the sports part, like it's it does seem like there is when you talk about being driven, mm-hmm. right? Um, we think of something, okay, so what does being driven mean? You think of something that is almost external to you, whether it's coming from, from inside or not, like your own expectations or making up for some inadequacy or something like that, um, trying to please someone in the back of your mind, like something driving you. It's, it's like an external force. And there is a relationship between that kind of external motivation and growth and virtue because mm. <laughs> it's like we have um uh what's it called we're, we're basically lazy right right entropy that's what i'm thinking of um mm. we have a certain like moral entropy where we tend to like settle down into the lowest level mm-hmm. and be like okay well i guess i'm i'm good enough right now right and there there's a real sense in which becoming excellent in anything, including in the moral life, um, requires some external motivation, some driving force Mm -hmm. pushing us. Right. Um, And so you see that, like, that's a a funny way to define sainthood, maybe, but I think it's actually true. Like, saints are a bit crazy out of love for Christ, right? right? They have that force just driving them. Right. Paul, Paul talks about in Second Corinthians. Um, I don't remember which passage exactly, but um, that the love of Christ compels him. Um, that he feels driven by this mm-hmm. love of Christ, and so I think like that's that's a basic um, component to all of the canonized saints when we look at them is this driving force of heroic charity. But then you see other ones, and this is to come back finally and answer the question you actually asked me. Right. Um, I think that we have some kind of legendary examples of curmudgeons. <laughs> curmudgeons, <laughs> great word. the ranks of the saints. Right. Um, so like you can think of Padre Pio, who came off mm. as a bit gruff and to the point, but it was always done in charity, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know an example. I'm not like a great Padre Pio scholar, I guess, but right. I can't think of an example where it was just him being short-tempered Right. It was rather him being impatient for your conversion. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, 
and that he wasn't going to be nice about it if that wasn't going to do you any good. Right. He was going to call you out. Right. Um, Which our culture is very uncomfortable with. So let's, uncomfortable let's, with. Let's, let's just be honest. Like, yeah. Let's put I'm it out very there, uncomfortable like, with it. Yeah, I we want, all hate it. We all like, hate it. I'm getting less somebody. patient <laughs> as I go on in priesthood. But, right. Um, but I'm uncomfortable with that aspect too. Right. Um, but it seems like that's that's a good thing when you see it for Padre Pio. Right. And it, it almost reminds me in that same sense in sports. Well, it kind of does. I'd be curious your opinion on it. Is it the game within the game? Right? Like like when you looked at Jordan or you looked at Lance Armstrong or different people, they'd be like, this person annoyed me. Or they would almost make up something mm-hmm. in their head to be like, yeah. this is going to drive me even more. Right? Like, like for me, I see it in youth ministry. I see another youth ministry do something well. And it kind of drives me to be like, well, if they did that, I'm going to do this and I'm going to destroy it, right? Um, and I not know that, speaking on behalf of St. Andrews. Not speaking Catholic on behalf Diocese of St. Anne's or the Catholic Diocese of Dallas. Um, but like, like that really drives me with my strength of competition, being mm-hmm. like, I don't want it to just be good and I'm going to play this game within this game to be like, great, they have a podcast, we're going to have a better one. Great, they have a good youth night, we're going to have a better one. They had a retreat with, uh, you know, lights, we're going to have a retreat with lights and fog, you know, like, or whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> Crazy examples, but also true. Shout out Camp Sweeney. Youth um, so um, youth ministry at its best, right? Like, um, that game within that game. But I don't know if that's the same for Saints, right? Like you said, you, you pinpointed it. It's more not so much the game within the game. It's... Um, the game within the game of conversion for saints. Yeah. Like they got, they did these radical things. Like, wasn't it St. Benedict who threw himself into a thorn bush instead of like rather sinning? St. Francis. Probably multiple Saint saints Francis. did it. Okay, fine. You Saint went to Francis. Franciscan University. Okay. What does that mean? I'm humble enough to admit that uh, I don't know everything yeah. about okay. St. Francis. We've got that on the Thank record you. now. Oh, okay. Excellent. There you go. Um, right? But like they rather do these radical things than sin and kind of what you talked about, the impatient like personalities of people like being impatient for people's conversions. Mm-hmm. Um, so you brought up Padre Pio. Um, I know another one of your favorite ones, right? Mm. Um, St. Jerome. Yeah, St. Jerome, patron of biblical scholars. Ah. St. Jerome is like the curmudgeon of curmudgeons, to use the Hebrew <laughs> superlative form, um, which I think he would appreciate. Like, And I don't know, like, dude struggled. <laughs> I, I think we have to just start there, which is an important lesson for us about saints, right? Right. That... Um, we can read about the lives of these holy men and women uh, who made it, right? Right. Um, and we want to to sometimes brush over their very real struggles, but it's in the arena of that struggle mm-hmm. that, like, heroic virtue is forged. Right. Um, and so some people have cranky personalities, mm-hmm. right? Some people are more disposed to impatience than others, right? Um, have different temperaments, all this stuff. And God, it seems like his grace, while it transforms us, mm-hmm. it doesn't wipe away those personalities, but rather enlists them somehow in the service of the gospel. Yeah. So like, 
I think that there's a way where you can be like grumpy for God um, in his service. Grumpy for God. That looks like yeah. a good Catholic Sounds bumper sticker so, or something so lame. like that. Um, Very lame. But, uh, and St. Jerome is a great example of this. And like, I don't know, there's also things like saints can sin too, right? <laughs> right. And so we can't explain away all of Jerome's grumpy letters to St. Augustine, they would mm. write back and forth about biblical translations, which okay. is awesome because St. Jerome was a biblical translator. That was his thing, mm-hmm. um, translated. Yeah, so like Vulcan. pause there, a little okay. background on St. Jerome, right? So yeah. he's he's the patron saint of biblical, of scholars, biblical scholars. Right, but um, like, yeah, what is he known for? Like what's his he's, claim to fame? Yeah, he's known for being a hermit who lived near Bethlehem. And translated the Bible into Latin. There were already Latin translations, but he systematized and translated under the commission of, uh, I think, Pope Damasus. I should have looked that up earlier. But um, a pope asked him to make a definitive, like an editio typica kind of thing, like the standard edition of the Bible in Latin. And we have correspondence between him and Augustine about, like, the value of the Hebrew versus the Greek Old Testament and the place of some of these other Latin translations which were around. Mm -hmm. And it's not always just like kittens and roses and like (laughs) puppies and sunshine. Yeah. Whatever the phrase is like, like they get into it. Yeah. Um, And uh, just to my reading, like Jerome seems a lot grumpier (laughs) and sometimes more defensive about it. And so like, I think we just have to look at that stuff and say, like, these were real people, mm-hmm. right? Real people whose God's grace was still able, right. sometimes in spite of their personalities, but often through them, right? Um, to transform into extraordinary models of holiness, right? Um, and you can see that as far back as in Acts of the Apostles, mm-hmm. when I, I've preached on this word before. It's kind of a uh, in Greek words, as far as Greek words go, it's kind of a famous one, homothumadon, mm. which means of one heart, mind, and spirit, like with this deep radical unity. That's the word used to describe the unity of the apostles after they receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the church is born. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that kind of deep radical unity doesn't mean that they didn't have real disputes and arguments mm-hmm. and that it seems like the Holy Spirit is working through those arguments right. to bring about some kind of resolution without getting all Hegelian about it. Like um, at the Council of Jerusalem, for instance, like in Acts 15, it's a real <laughs> argument about how best to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and to what degree they're they're going to be required to follow the Mosaic law. Mm. And a good compromise for the time um, comes out of that, but it also involves a lot of, like, I I think criticism. Yeah. Legitimate criticism. And so there is a place for that kind of, like, actually speaking your opinion Mm -hmm. and not being afraid of a little controversy Mm. um, out of a like zeal for the truth yeah. and charity um, that we see all the way back in the Acts of the Apostles. And then you see that in St. Jerome and his uh, legendary cantankerousness 
Um, Man, you are pulling out the words today. Yeah, I just got I, a thesaurus over here. Yeah, no, literally, nothing. if anybody else is like me, still learning to read, like pull out your dictionary, <laughs> pause the podcast, um, and look up these words as you go. But yeah, like, and I mean, and what you're you're hidden on is those legendary arguments of Peter and Paul, right? Yeah, Saint Peter and Paul, like That's right. um, Paul calling out Peter. Yeah. Um, like the head of the apostles. Mm-hmm. Paul wasn't even an eyewitness, not in a normal way. Right. Uh, as, as and he was somebody apart. who persecuted Christians, like yeah. signed off on St. Stephen's death certificate, right? Like as a witness being yeah. there. Like You can see his zeal for the truth, them being enlisted in service of the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. That zeal doesn't go away. Right. It's just been redirected. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, God's still working with what we have. Right. And it kind of reminds me, and I don't know if you agree with this, I'll just toss it out for, you know, kind of debate here is I think you can take it one way or another. You know, people said that, uh, at least what I've read, um, that kind of Martin Luther struggled with um, also being a little bit cranky, was a brilliant man and different things like that. Um, And actually, there's actually some articles that talk about how he struggled with like IBS or something like that, that might have actually led like irritable bowel syndrome that actually led to some of his like mood swings and stuff like that. And so, um, but right, like he let that drive him and change him in one way where we're saying Mm. as saints, like, we obviously want to work within the system and we want to allow it to drive us for deeper conversion to not just get fed up mm-hmm. and just split. Good right? point. Um, yeah. I don't know. Does it's a great it, does point. That, yeah. Yeah. And like with this pandemic and quarantine and everything, like we're more at a breaking point and being fed up, especially often when it comes to like prudential decisions of those uh, who have um, been entrusted with our or what am I trying to say? Leadership. Yeah. Uh, civil and church. Right. right? Um, and what that should drive us towards mm-hmm. is deeper and ongoing interior conversion. Mm-hmm. And that's reflected in actually how we live. Right. Right. Whether it's through your drive for competition. Right. Or out of a frustration at injustice or the current situation that we're in, like we always have the possibility to go deeper into our own conversion. Mm-hmm. That thing, those frustrations, that competitive drive, that can all act as that external motivation for mm-hmm. us to grow in holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it really can. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. It's a, it's a. But it's also a humbling. It's a tough point to really reflect on and say, like, where's that line? You know, because um, I would imagine at some point those athletes had to say, like, do I want to be known Mm. as this great jerk? Mm -hmm. Even if it means like, or excuse me, like this great athlete, the greatest of all time, even if it means I'm a jerk. Right. Or like, what if I'm a little bit less than that? Like, I'm not the greatest, but I'm a good guy. You know, Mm -hmm. like... There's that yeah. quote from The Last Dance I kind of love. It's like, you know, and, and many people have said it throughout, but like, you know, there's no I in team, but there's I in win, you know? Right. And so <laughs> like, like they remember these people as like, you know, winners and huge followings and people loved them. And and once again, not going into any personal judgment or personal side, we're talking sp- strictly on the sports field, you know, to teammates, to coaches, to different things like that, to say like they were known so much for their competition 
that like it was like ah yeah we didn't really he wasn't like the best of buds right you mm-hmm. know like it wasn't like we were calling him for birthday parties and things like that you know like but something drove him yeah drove these people to their excellency you know yeah we just have to ask ourselves about what is the cost of this excellence that I'm pursuing yeah and is it worth it right um Excellence in my job, excellence in my hobbies, in my sports, right. excellence among sports heroes that are legitimately inspiring. Like, yeah. I'm so inspired by Jordan. It's ridiculous. Like, yes. the last dance. Oh. Watch that and then just get pumped up and be like, I'm going to give the greatest homily ever <laughs> or something like that. Like, they're really inspiring. But we have to ask ourselves, like, for our own lives, what is the cost of that greatness? Yeah. And what is the cost of the greatness that I am made for and right. called to? Yeah. Right. And of course, and we always come back to it, you know, you need to do that in prayer. You need to do that in time what's spent with the Lord. You need to be able to do that. Um, you know, like taking your time to be able to dive into, um, obviously, you know, uh, your time individually with the Lord each and every day to pray and to discern that and to, to go into that, you know? Um, so, as we kind of transition here um, towards the end, um, we're going to uh, do our famous last segment for episode four, um, which is um, what you watching, what you reading, what you thinking. But like we've done before, I wanna I wanna put a theme to it this time. Okay, um, w- most inspirational either movie or series or whatever that you've watched. Most inspirational. Okay, most inspirational book you read. And then what are you thinking? And um, to kick it off, we're also here, joined here by our summer seminarian, Alex, um, um, who uh, is originally from St. Rita's in Dallas, is um, here for June and July at St. Anne's. So if you see him, say, hey, what's up? Um, And he is going to share his most inspirational um, movie he's seen and book he's read and any, any thoughts that he has. And then we'll get to it. I'm going to have to go with a non-sports movie. I don't know if y'all have ever seen um, Gladiator, but it is it is and will always be one of the, the best movies in my mind. Um, just mm-hmm. because you have a... Well, first of all, the storyline is kind of cool because you have a guy who kind of has nothing to lose, right? And he's out to, to you know, get justice for what has happened uh, to him and his family. Um, and he's just, he's not afraid and he's just very courageous and a, and just an awesome, awesome leader who cares about the men around him, you know, and uh, it's just one wonderful movie to watch. If you haven't seen it, go. And, uh, also, I mean, of course it's not, I wouldn't say it's not very historically accurate. Um, <laughs> if you read about like Marcus Aurelius, you know, and, and those guys, but, but the soundtrack, but though. the soundtrack is, is, is wonderful. It is wonderful. Um, so yes, Gladiator is, is definitely one of my favorites. It just gets me, gets me pumped up. Um, the most right now, the book that is inspiring the most is probably, um, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. It is a it's a fantastic book, and it just it just really gets at the heart of a of uh, of a, of a man. Um, I believe there's there's a book out there that was written by John Oge's wife, um, kind of about how um, can un- that talks about the, the the heart of a woman. But yeah, for me, it's just this book has just helped me re- realize like what 
what gets me going and like what helps me build confidence and the words that all men want to hear and it's that hey you you have what it takes you know and um and also talks uh, touches on like what are encouraging words for women it's like hey you are you are beautiful you know we need to be telling our daughters that we need to tell uh, women around us that hey you are beautiful you're beautiful you're made in the image of in likeness of god um and you're just like you know um glowing with with dignity and so yeah those those are that's a great great book and what am i thinking um I need to reread that book, actually, because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of good stuff in that. But, uh, yes, so thank you for listening. Very good. So, well, so, Father Paul, before you answer, to preface this, can't say the Bible, because we both agree on that, right? Most inspirational book ever, the Bible, obviously. Sure. It's effective. Speaking for the Diocese of Dallas. And Speaking for St. Anne's. Anne's in the Diocese of Dallas. Um, hashtag give us a raise. Um, <laughs> and so um, uh, can't say the Bible. Okay, so most inspirational. We'll, we'll go back and forth. Movie, movie or series first. Go. Yeah, let's start a movie or series. So I've got one in mind called, in Hebrew, Lemaleh Chalal. No, this yes. is not no, real. It's real. No, it's but, not. But I'll go with a more commonly known one. Um, Chariots of Fire. Mm. On the one hand, it's kind never of never seen it. I'll be completely Seriously? honest. I've never seen it. I'm alright with that. Okay, it's. It is really inspiring. It's also kind of lame and boring, but it's also a really good movie. It's it's one of those, right? Um, yeah, Chariots of Fire. King's Speech is actually also really inspiring. Hmm. The King's also Speech. Sure, yeah. Um, like the, the, the back in the day, not the remake. No, the remake. Oh, the remake. Okay, okay. Wait, okay, there's okay. an original? I think there was an original. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. Um, for me, it's kind of between... Uh, a movie jumps out and a series jumps out, to be completely honest, uh, most inspirational. Somewhere between Braveheart and Band of Brothers. Oh, Band of Brothers. Mm. I think I lean nice. towards Band of Brothers. The original, not the Pacific. Not that I wasn't a fan of that, but not as much. You know, the Band of Brothers series, I just thought was so inspirational and to see what those men and uh, women and families went through and everything. So, And Braveheart, just, you know, yeah, kind of, you know, inspirational book um what uh most inspirational book maybe you've ever read yeah ever is hard um or recently or wh- whatever you the want one that comes you to read mind. more than me so it's harder for you well in theory um the one that comes to mind is uh a book called he leadeth me by mm. walter sizek uh, who's a jesuit he was a missionary who went into russia like he was driven <laughs> by this desire to go and spread the gospel into the ussr and um, trained in the Ukraine, and anyway, he it was like as soon as he went in um, to bring Jesus Christ into that area, um, he was captured mm. and put into a labor camp in Siberia and subjected to all sorts of horrors, and you see God's grace working in the midst of that. He made it out alive, um, and he wrote this memoir called He Leadeth Me, and it is one of the most inspiring books. Hmm. Like, to see someone who gets to a point where he's so broken um, from being in this labor camp, and then how God's grace floods his life at that moment. Spoiler. Um, hmm. Spoiler. Spoiler. Uh, how God's grace floods his life at that moment and fills him with the peace and the courage to be able to endure 
um, and to, to give those sufferings meaning. Um, I think it's a fantastic book. Um, one most recently to me um, was uh, that was given to me as um, a gift, um, I think about a year ago, um, Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit. Mm, Thomas um, Dubay. Thomas Dubay. Um, yeah. Happy Are You Poor. Oh, happy are you poor? Yeah. Whatever. Obviously, it was inspirational to me. I remember the title. So, um, great book. Um, I think inspirational because it is one of those things with this topic. Very challenging. Very challenging to live out and to be able to. Um, yeah, I don't know. As a, as a part of competition, I'm like, yeah, I like want this to be kind of ingrained in me. So, what you thinking? Thinking about the word inspirational. Um, because we don't we don't pick that word apart that much, right? We talk about the Bible being inspired, and we think of it in a, a very different way. Mm-hmm. And then, but to think of what is my inspiration, like it means literally to breathe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what force? <laughs> what goodness? What motivation? What prompting of grace is being breathed into me mm-hmm. to push me in this direction? I think that's an interesting way. To, way to think about inspiration in uh, kind of a, a normal context, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I found that book so inspirational. It it really breathes something into me, mm-hmm. some courage, some life, um, right. some desire to act. Yeah. So I think that um, what I'm thinking about is at what point do you have to cut down a tree? Um And I say that because I'm always doing a um, project at home. And so um, a few years ago, half of our tree got hit in an ice storm and fell. But, like, the other half remained, and we kept it, and we've had half a tree. But we've slowly trimmed it back, trimmed it back, trimmed it back. Um, But the kids love climbing in it. But it's like, at what point? There's an internal battle with me. Like being, I live in Texas, where literally it's like Satan is sitting on the state. It is so hot, and like you need a tree for shade. But like, how long do I allow it to be there? You know, so that's what I'm thinking about. So maybe we can come look at it in my backyard. Yeah, how much wood? Could have woodchucked. (laughs) Anyway, that's enough for this podcast. Uh, This is Joey Scancella, Father Paul Bechter. Uh, Take care. God bless.